Chapter Five of the Joyous Adventures of Aristide Pujol by William John Locke. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five: The Adventure of the Pig's Head. Once upon a time, Aristide Pujol found himself standing outside his Paris residence, number two one three bis Rue Saint Rene, without a penny in the world his last sou had gone to madame bidoux who kept a small greengrocer's shop at number two one three bis and rented a ridiculously small back room for a ridiculously small weekly sum to aristide whenever he honoured the french capital with his presence during his absence she forwarded him such letters as might arrive for him and as this was his only permanent address and as he let madame bidoux know his whereabouts only at vague intervals of time the transaction of business with aristide pujol agent number two one three bis rue saint henri paris by correspondence was peculiarly difficult he had made madame bidoux's acquaintance in the dim past and he had made it in his usual direct and electric manner happening to walk down the rue saint Honoré, he had come upon tragedy madame bidoux fat red of face tearful of eye and strident of voice held in her arms a little mongrel dog her own precious possession which had been run over in the street and the two of them filled the air with wailings and vociferation aristide uncovered his head as though he were about to address a duchess and smiled at her engagingly madame said he i perceive that your little dog has a broken leg as i know all about dogs i will with your permission set the limb put it into splints and guarantee a perfect cure needless to say i make no charge for my services snatching the dog from the arms of the fascinated woman he darted in his dragonfly fashion into the shop gave a hundred orders to a stupefied assistant and to cut short a story which aristide told me with great wealth of detail mended the precious dog and gained madame bidoux's eternal gratitude for madame bidoux the world held no more remarkable man than aristide pujol and for aristide the world held no more devoted friend than madame bidoux many a succulent meal at the widow's expense never more enjoyable than in summer-time when she set a little iron table and a couple of iron chairs on the pavement outside the shop had saved him from starvation and many a gigaw sent from london or marseilles or other such remote latitudes filled her heart with pride since my acquaintance with aristide i myself have called on this excellent woman and i hope i have won her esteem though i have never had the honour of eating pig's trotters and choux croute with her on the pavement of the rue saint honore it is an honour from which being an unassuming man i shrink unfortunately madame bidoux has nothing further to do with the story i am about to relate save in one respect there came a day it was a bleak day in november when madame bidoux's temporary financial difficulties happened to coincide with aristide's to him unsuspicious of coincidence she confided her troubles he emptied the meagre contents of his purse into her hand madame bidoux said he with a flourish and the air of a prince why didn't you tell me before and without waiting for her blessing he went out penniless into the street aristide was never happier than when he had not a penny piece in the world he believed i fancy in a dim sort of way in god and the virgin and holy water and the pope but the faith that thrilled him to exaltation was his faith in the inevitable happening of the unexpected he marched to meet it with the throbbing pulses of a soldier rushing to victory or a saint to martyrdom he walked up the rue saint honore the rue de la paix along the grand boulevard smiling on a world which teemed with unexpectednesses until he reached a cafe on the boulevard des bonfilles de calvaire here he was arrested by fate in the form of a battered man in black who springing from the solitary frostiness of the terrace threw his arms about him and kissed him on both cheeks mais c'est toi pujol c'est toi roulard 
roulard dragged aristide to his frosty table and ordered drinks roulard had played the trumpet in the regimental band in which aristide had played the kettle drum during their military service they had been inseparables since those happy and ear-splitting days they had not met they looked at each other and laughed and thumped each other's shoulders c'est vieux roulard c'est sacré pujol and what are you doing asked aristide after the first explosions of astonishment and reminiscence a cloud overspread the battered man's features he had a wife and five children and played in theatre orchestras at the present time he was trombone in the tournee goulon a touring opera company it was not gay for a sensitive artist like him and the trombone gave one a thirst which it took half a week's salary to satisfy mais enfin que veux-tu it was life a dog's life but life was like that aristide he supposed was making a fortune aristide threw back his head and laughed at the exquisite humour of the hypothesis and gaily disclosed his macabreish situation roulard sat for a moment thoughtful and silent presently a ray of inspiration dispelled the cloud from the features of the battered man tiens mon vieux said he i have an idea it was an idea worthy of aristide's consideration the drum of the tournee goulon had been dismissed for drunkenness the vacancy had not been filled various executants who had drummed on approval this being an out week of the tour had driven the chef d'orchestre to the verge of homicidal mania why should not aristide past master in drumming find an honourable position in the orchestra of the tournee goulon aristide's eyes sparkled his fingers itched for the drumsticks he started to his feet mon vieux roulard he cried you have saved my life more than that you have resuscitated an artist yes an artist sacre nom de dieu take me to the chef d'orchestre so roulard when the hour of rehearsal drew nigh conducted aristide to the murky recesses of a dirty little theatre in the batignolles where aristide performed such prodigies of repercussion that he was forthwith engaged to play the drum the kettle-drum the triangle the cymbals the castanets and the tambourine in the orchestra of the tournee goulon at the dazzling salary of thirty francs a week to tell how aristide drummed and cymbaled the progress of les huguenots carmen la juive la fille de madame angeau and la lisienne through france would mean the rewriting of a capitaine fracasse to hear the creature talk about it makes my mouth as a brick oven and my flesh as that of a goose he was the adonis the apollo the don juan the irresistible of the tournee fled truculent bass and haughty tenor before him from diva to mustachioed contralto in the chorus all the ladies breathlessly watched for the fall of his handkerchief he was recognized in fact as a devil of a fellow but in spite of these triumphs the manipulation of the drum kettle-drum triangle cymbals castanets and tambourine which at first had given him intense and childish delight at last became invested with a mechanical monotony that almost drove him mad all day long the thought of the ill-lit corner on the extreme right of the orchestra garnished with the accursed instruments of noise to which duty would compel him at eight o'clock in the evening hung over him like a hideous doom sweet singers of the female sex were powerless to console he passed them by and haughty tenor and swaggering basso again took heart of grace mais mon dieu c'est le métier expostulated roulard sale métier cried aristide who was as much fitted for the merciless routine of a theatre orchestra as a quagga for the shafts of an omnibus a beast of a trade one is no longer a man one is just an automatic system of fog signals in this depraved state of mind he arrived at perpignan where that befell him which i am about to relate now perpignan is the last town of france on the gulf of lyons a few miles from the spanish border 
from it you can see the great white monster of le canijou the pride of the eastern pyrenees far far away blocking up the valley of the tet which flows sluggishly past the little town the quai sardicarnot is there a provincial town in france which has not a something sardicarnot in it is on the left bank of the tet at one end is the modern place arago at the other le castillier a round castellated red brick fortress with curiously long and deep machiocolations of the fourteenth century with some modern additions of louis the eleventh who also built the adjoining porte notre dame which gives access to the city between the castillier and the place arago the quai sadicarnot is the site of the prefecture the grand hotel various villas and other resorts of the aristocracy any little street off it will lead you into the seething centre of papignon life the place de la loge which is a great block of old buildings surrounded on its four sides by narrow streets of shops cafes private houses all with balconies and jalousies all cramped crumbling spanish picturesque the oldest of this conglomerate block is a corner building the loge de mer a thirteenth-century palace the cloth exchange in the glorious days when perpignan was a seaport and its merchant princes traded with sultans and doges and such like magnificos of the mediterranean but nowadays its glory has departed below the great gothic windows spreads the awning of a cafe which takes up all the ground floor hugging it tight is the marie and hugging that the hotel de ville hither does every soul in the place at some hour or other of the day inevitably gravitate lawyers and clients doctors and patients merchants lovers soldiers market women loafers horses dogs wagons all crowd in a noisy medley the narrow cobble-paved streets around the loge of course there are other streets tortuous odorous and cool intersecting the old town and there are various open spaces one of which is the broad market square on one side flanked by the theatre municipal from the theatre aristide pujol issued one morning after rehearsal and leaving his colleagues including the ever-thirsty roulard to refresh themselves at a humble cafe hard by went forth in search of distraction he idled about the place de la loge passed the time of day with a cafe waiter until the latter with a disconcerting voila voila darted off to attend to a customer and then strolled through the porte notre dame on to the quai sadicarnot there a familiar sound met his ears the roll of a drum followed by an incantation in a quavering high-pitched voice it was the town crier with whom as with a brother artist he had picked acquaintance the day before they met by the parapet of the quay just as pere bracasa had come to the end of his incantation the old man grizzled tanned and seamed leant weakly against the parapet how goes it pere bracas alas mon bon monsieur it goes from bad to worse sighed the old man i am at the end of my strength my voice has gone and the accursed rheumatism in my shoulder gives me atrocious pain whenever i beat the drum how much more of your round have you to go asked aristide i have only just begun said pere bracasa the southern sun shone from a cloudless sky a light keen wind blowing from the distant snow-clad canijou set the blood tingling a lunatic idea flashed through aristide's mind he whipped the drum-strap over the old man's head pere bracas said he you are suffering from rheumatism bronchitis fever and corns and you must go home to bed i will finish your round for you listen and he beat such a tattoo as pere bracasi had never accomplished in his life where are your words the old man too weary to resist and fascinated by aristide's laughing eyes handed him a dirty piece of paper aristide read played a magnificent role and proclaimed in a clarion voice that a gold bracelet having been lost on sunday afternoon in the avenue des platanes whoever would deposit it at the marie would receive a reward that's all he inquired 
that's all said pere bracasse i live in the rue petit de la Réal, number four and you will bring me back the drum when you have finished aristide darted off like a dragonfly in the sunshine as happy as a child with a new toy here he could play the drum to his heart's content with no score or conductor's baton to worry him he was also the one and only personage in the drama concentrating on himself the attention of the audience he pitied poor roulard who could never have such an opportunity with his trombone the effect of his drumming before the cafe de la loge was electric shopkeepers ran out of their shops housewives craned over their balconies to listen to him by the time he had threaded the busy strip of the town and emerged onto the plaza arago he had collected an admiring train of urchins on the plaza arago he halted on the fringe of a crowd surrounding a cheapjack whose vociferations he drowned in a roll of thunder he drummed and drummed till he became the centre of the throng then he proclaimed the bracelet he had not enjoyed himself so much since he left paris he was striding away merry-eyed and happy followed by his satellites when a prosperous-looking gentleman with a very red face a prosperous roll of fat above the back of his collar and the ribbon of the legion of honour in his buttonhole descending the steps of the great glass-covered cafe commanding the place hurried up and laid his finger on his arm pardon my friend said he what are you doing there you shall hear monsieur replied aristide clutching the drumsticks for the love of heaven cried the other hastily interrupting tell me what you are doing i am crying the loss of a bracelet monsieur but who are you i am aristide pujol and i play the drum kettle-drum triangle cymbals castanets and tambourine in the orchestra of the tournee gouland and now in my turn may i ask to whom i have the honour of speaking i am the mayor of perpignan aristide raised his hat politely i hope to have the pleasure said he of monsieur le marier's better acquaintance the mayor attracted by the rascal's guileless mockery laughed you will my friend if you go on playing that drum you are not the town crier aristide explained pierre bracasse was ill suffering from rheumatism bronchitis fever and corns he was replacing him the mayor retorted that pierre bracasse being a municipal functionary could not transmit his function except through the administration monsieur pujol must desist from drumming and crying aristide bowed to authority and unstrung his drum but i was enjoying myself so much monsieur le maire you have spoiled my day said he the mayor laughed again there was an irresistible charm and roguishness about the fellow with his intelligent oval face black van dyke beard and magically luminous eyes i should have thought you had enough of drums in your orchestra ah there i am cramped cried aristide i have it in horror in detestation here i am free i can give vent to all the aspirations of my soul the mayor mechanically moved from the spot where he had been standing aristide embroidering his theme mechanically accompanied him and such is democratic france and also such was the magnetic ancient mariner-like power of aristide did not i myself on my first meeting with him at aiguemorte fall helplessly under the spell that in a few moments the amateur town crier and the mayor were walking together side by side along the quai sadi carnot engaged in amiable converse aristide told the mayor the story of his life or such incidents of it as were meet for the mayor's ears and when they parted the mayor to lunch aristide to yield up the interdicted drum to pere bracasse they shook hands warmly and mutually expressed the wish that they would soon meet again they met again aristide saw to that they met again that very afternoon in the cafe on the place Arago. when aristide entered he saw the mayor seated at a table in the company of another prosperous red-ribboned gentleman aristide saluted politely and addressed the mayor the mayor saluted and presented him to monsieur carin the president of the syndicat d'initiative of the town of perpignan monsieur carin saluted and declared himself enchanted at the encounter 
aristide stood gossiping until the mayor invited him to take a place at the table and consume liquid refreshment aristide glowingly accepted the invitation and cast a look of triumph around the cafe not to all mortals is it given to be the boon companion of a mayor and a president of the syndicat initiative then ensued a conversation momentous in its consequences the syndicat d'initiative is a semi-official body existing in most provincial towns in france for the purpose of organizing public festivals for the citizens and developing the resources and possibilities of the town for the general amenity of visitors now perpignan is as picturesque as sun-smitten and in spite of the icy tremontana even as joyous a place as tourists could desire and the carnival of perpignan as a spontaneous outburst of gaiety and pageantry is unique in france but perpignan being at the end of everywhere and leading nowhere attracts very few visitors biarritz is on the atlantic coast at the other end of the pyrenees Iraz, Caen, and Monte Carlo on the other side of the Gulf of Lyon. No English or Americans, the only visitors of any account in the philosophy of provincial France, flock to Perpignan. This was a melancholy fact bewailed by Monsieur Carin. The town was perishing from lack of Anglo-Saxon support. Monsieur Coquereau, the mayor, agreed if the english and americans came in their hordes to this paradise of mimosa fourteenth-century architecture sunshine and unique carnival the fortunes of all the citizens would be assured perpignan would outrival nice but what could be done advertise it said aristide flood the english-speaking world with poetical descriptions of the place build a row of palatial hotels in the new part of town it is not known to the anglo-saxons how can you be certain of that asked monsieur carin parbleu he cried with a wide gesture i have known the english all my life i speak their language as i speak french or my native provencal i have taught in schools in england i know the country and the people like my pocket they have never heard of perpignan his companions acquiesced sadly aristide aglow with a sudden impudent inspiration leant across the marble table monsieur le maire and monsieur le president du syndicat d'initiative i am sick to death of playing the drum the kettle-drum the triangle the cymbals the castanets and the tambourine in the tournée gouland i was born to higher things entrust to me he converged the fingertips of both hands to his bosom to me aristide pujol the organization of perpignan ville de plaisir and you will not regret it the mayor and the president laughed but my astonishing friend prevailed not indeed to the extent of being appointed a patronius arbiter elegantiarum of the town of perpignan but to the extent of being employed i fear in a subordinate capacity by the mayor and the syndicat in the work of propagandism the tournee gouland found another drum and went its tuneful but weary way and aristide remained gloriously behind and rubbed his hands with glee at last he had found permanence in a life where hitherto had been naught but transience at last he had found a sphere worthy of his genius he began to nourish insensate ambitions he would be the great benefactor of perpignan all roussillon would bless his name already he saw his statue on the quai sardi carnot his rise in the social scale of the town was meteoric chiefly owing to the goodwill of madame coquereau the widowed mother of the mayor she was a hard-featured old lady with a face that might have been made of corrugated iron painted yellow and with the eyes of an old hawk she dressed always in black was very devout and rich and narrow and iron-willed aristide was presented to her one sunday afternoon at the cafe on the place arago where on sunday afternoons all the fashion of perpignan assembles and need i say it she fell at once a helpless victim to his fascination 
accompanying her grandmother was mademoiselle stephanie cocoro the mayor's niece a wealthy orphan as aristide soon learned nineteen pretty demure perfectly brought up who said oui monsieur and no monsieur with that quintessence of modest grace which only a provincial french convent can cultivate aristide's heart left his body and rolled at the feet of mademoiselle stephanie it was away with aristide's heart it was always doing that he was of provence and not of peckham rye or hoboken and he could not help it aristide called on madame coquereau who entertained him with sweet frontignan wine dry sponge cakes and conversation after a while he was invited to dinner in a short space of time he became the intimate friend of the house and played piquet with madame coquereau and grew familiar with the family secrets first he learned that mademoiselle stephanie would go to a husband with two hundred and fifty thousand francs aristide's heart panted at the feet of mademoiselle stephanie further he gathered that though monsieur coquereau was a personage of great dignity and importance in civic affairs he was as but a little child in his own house madame coquereau held the money-bags her son had but little personal fortune he had reached the age of forty-five without being able to marry marriage unauthorized by madame coquereau meant immediate poverty and the testamentary assignment of madame coquereau's fortune to various religious establishments none of the objects of monsieur coquereau's matrimonial desire had pleased madame coquereau and none of madame coquereau's blushing candidates had caused a pulse in monsieur coquereau's being to beat the faster the mayor held his mother in professed adoration and holy terror she held him in abject subjection aristide became the confidant in turn of madame's sour philosophy of life and of monsieur's impotence and despair as for mademoiselle stephanie she kept on saying oui monsieur and no monsieur in a crescendo of maddening demureness so passed the halcyon hours during the daytime aristide in a corner of the mayor's office drew up flamboyant circulars in english which would have put a pushing land and estate agent in the new jerusalem to the blush and in the evening played piquet with madame coquereau while mademoiselle stephanie a model of modest piety worked pure but nameless birds and flowers on her embroidery frame monsieur le maire of course played his game of manilla at the cafe after dinner and generally came home just before aristide took his leave if it had not been for the presence of mademoiselle stephanie it would not have been gave aristide but love gilded the moments on the first evening of the carnival which lasts nearly a fortnight in perpignan aristide in spite of a sweeter oui monsieur than ever from mademoiselle stephanie made an excuse to slip away rather earlier than usual and front door having closed behind him crossed the strip of gravel with a quick step and flung out of the iron gates now the house had an isolated position in the new quarter of the town it was perky and modern and defaced by all sorts of oriel windows and tourelles and pinnacles which gave it a top-heavy appearance and it was surrounded by a low brick wall aristide on emerging through the iron gates heard the sound of scurrying footsteps on the side of the wall nearest to the town and reached the corner just in time to see a masker attired in a pierrot costume and wearing what seemed to be a pig's head disappear round the further angle paying no heed to this phenomenon aristide lit a cigarette and walked in anticipation of enjoyment to the great avenue des plantanes where the revelry of the carnival was being held aristide was young he loved flirtation and flirtation flourished in the avenue des plantanes the next morning the mayor entered his office with a very grave face do you know what has happened my house was broken into last night the safe in my study was forced open and three thousand francs and some valuable jewellery were stolen quel malheur 
he cried throwing himself into a chair and wiping his forehead it is not i who can afford to lose three thousand francs at once if they had robbed mamma it would have been a different matter aristide expressed his sympathy whom do you suspect he asked a robber parbleu said the mayor the police are even now making their investigations the door opened and a plain-clothes detective entered the office monsieur le maire said he with an air of triumph i know a burglar both men leapt to their feet ah said aristide a la bonne heure cried the mayor arrest him at once said aristide alas monsieur said the detective that i cannot do i have called on him this morning and his wife tells me that he left for the north yesterday afternoon but it is jose puecas that did it i know his ways tiens said the mayor reflectively i know him also an evil fellow but why are you not looking for him exclaimed aristide arrangements have been made replied the detective coldly aristide suddenly bethought him of the furtive masker of the night before i can put you on his track said he and related what he knew the mayor looked dubious oh it wasn't he he remarked jose puigas monsieur would not commit a burglary in a pig's head said the policeman with the cutting contempt of the expert it is a vow i suppose said aristide stung to irony i have always heard he was a religious man the detective did not condescend to reply monsieur le maire said he i should like to examine the premises and beg that you will have the kindness to accompany me with the permission of monsieur le maire said aristide i too will come certainly said the mayor the more intelligences concentrated on the affair the better i am not of that opinion said the detective it is the opinion of monsieur le maire said aristide rebukingly and that is enough when they reached the house distances are short in perpignan they found policemen busily engaged with tape measures around the premises old madame coquereau in a clean white linen dressing-jacket bareheaded defying the keen air stood grim and eager in the midst of them good morning monsieur pujol what do you think of this a veritable catastrophe said aristide she shrugged her iron shoulders i tell him it serves him right she said cuttingly a sensible person keeps his money under his mattress and not in a tin machine by a window which any one can get at i wonder we've not been murdered in our beds before ah mamma expostulated the mayor of perpignan but she turned her back on him and worried the policeman they having probed and measured and consulted with the detective came to an exact conclusion the thief had climbed over the back wall there were his footsteps he had entered by the kitchen door there were the marks of infraction he had broken open the safe there was the helpless condition of the lock no one in perpignan but jose puecas with his bad socialistic barcelona blood could have done it these brilliant results were arrived at after much clamour and argument and imposing procès verbal aristide felt strangely depressed he had narrated his story of the pig-headed masker to unresponsive ears here was a melodramatic scene in which he not only was not playing a leading part but did not even carry a banner to be less than a super in life's pageant was abhorrent to the nature of aristide pujol moodily he wandered away from the little crowd he hated the police and their heirs of gods for whom exists no mystery he did not believe in the kitchen-door theory why should not the thief have simply entered by the window of the study which like the kitchen was on the ground floor he went round the house and examined the window by himself no there were no traces of burglary the fastenings of the outside shutters and the high window were intact the police were right suddenly his quick eye lit on something in the gravel path and his heart gave a great leap it was a little round pink disc of confetti aristide picked it up and began to dance and shake his fist at the invisible police aha he cried now we shall see who is right and who is wrong he began to search and soon found another bit of confetti a little further along he discovered a third and a fourth by using his walking-stick he discovered that they formed a trail to a point in the wall he examined the wall 
there if his eyes did not deceive him were evidences of mortar dislodged by nefarious toes and there mirabili visu at the very bottom of the wall lay a little woolen pompon or tassel just the kind of pompon that gives a finish to a pierrot's shoes evidently the scoundrel had scraped it off against the bricks while clambering over the pig-headed masker stood confessed a less imaginative man than aristide would have immediately acquainted the police with his discovery but aristide had been insulted a dull mechanical bureaucrat who tried to discover crime with a tape measure had dared to talk contemptuously of his intelligence on his wooden head should be poured the vials of his contempt tron de la cried aristide a provencal oath which he only used on sublime occasions it is i who will discover the thief and make the whole lot of you the laughing-stock of perpignan so did my versatile friend joyously confident in his powers start on his glorious career as a private detective madame coquereau said he that evening while she was dealing a hand at piquet what would you say if i solved this mystery and brought the scoundrel to justice to say that you would have more sense than the police would be a poor compliment said the old lady stephanie raised cloistral eyes from her embroidery frame she sat in a distant corner of the formal room discreetly lit by a shaded lamp you have a clue monsieur she asked with adorable timidity aristide tapped his forehead with his forefinger all is there mademoiselle they exchanged a glance the first they had exchanged while madame coquereau was frowning at her cards and aristide interpreted the glance as the promise of supreme reward for great deeds accomplished the mayor returned early from the cafe a dejected man the loss of his hundred and twenty pounds weighed heavily on his mind he kissed his mother sorrowfully on the cheek his niece on the brow held out a drooping hand to aristide and subsiding into a stiff imitation of louis sixteenth chair rested his elbows on its unconsoling arms and hid his face in his hands my poor uncle you suffer so much breathed stephanie in divine compassion little saint murmured aristide devoutly as he declared four aces and three queens the mayor moved his head sympathetically he was suffering from the sharpest pain in his pocket he had felt for many a day madame coquereau's attention wandered from the cards dis donc Ferdinand, she said sharply why are you not wearing your ring the mayor looked up maman said he it is stolen your beautiful ring cried aristide the mayor's ring which he usually wore was a remarkable personal adornment it consisted in a couple of snakes in old gold clenching an enormous topaz between their heads only a mayor could have worn it with decency you did not mention it to me as being one of the stolen objects the mayor rose wearily it was to avoid giving you pain mamma i know what a value you set upon the ring of my good aunt philomene and now it is lost said madame coquereau throwing down her cards a ring that belonged to a saint yes monsieur pujol a saint though she was my sister a ring that had been blessed by his holiness the pope but mamma expostulated the mayor that was an imagination of aunt philomene just because she went to rome and had an audience like any one else silence impious atheist that you are cried the old lady i tell you it was blessed by his holiness and when i tell you a thing it is true that is the son of to-day he will call his mother a liar as soon as look at her it was a ring beyond price a ring such as there are few in the world and instead of taking care of this precious heirloom he goes and locks it away in a safe ah you fill me with shame monsieur pujol i am sorry i can play no more i must retire stephanie will you accompany me and gathering up stephanie like a bunch of snowdrops the yellow galvanized iron old lady swept out of the room the mayor looked at aristide and moved his arms dejectedly such are women said he my own mother nearly broke her heart because i would not become a priest said aristide i wish i were a turk said the mayor i too said aristide he took pouch and papers and rolled a cigarette 
if there is a man living who can say he has not felt like that at least once in his life he ought to be exhibited at a fair how well you understand me my good pujol said monsieur coquereau the next few days passed busily for aristide he devoted every spare hour to his new task he scrutinized every inch of ground between the study window and the wall he drew radiating lines from the point of the wall whence the miscreant had started homeward and succeeded in finding more confetti he cross-examined every purveyor of pierrot shoes and pig's heads in perpignan his researches soon came to the ears of the police still tracing the mysterious jose puigas a certain good-humoured brigadier whose catalan french aristide found difficult to understand but with whom he had formed a derisory kind of friendship urged him to desist from the hopeless task jamais de la vie he cried the honour of aristide pujol is at stake the thing became an obsession not only his honour but his future was at stake if he discovered the thief he would be the most talked-of person in perpignan he would know how to improve his position he would rise to dizzy heights perpignan via de plaisir would acclaim him as a saviour the government would decorate him and finally both the mayor and madame coquereau would place the blushing and adorable mademoiselle stephanie in his arms and her two hundred and fifty thousand francs dowry in his pocket never before had so dazzling a prize shimmered before him in the near distance on the last saturday night of the carnival there was a special corso for the populace in the avenue de plantana the long splendid avenue of plane trees just outside the porte notre dame which is the special glory of perpignan the maskers danced to three or four bands they threw confetti and serpentins they rode hobby-horses and beat each other with bladders they joined in bands of youths and maidens and whirled down the avenue in bacchic madness it was a corso blanc and every one wore white chiefly modifications of pierrot costume and every one was masked chinese lanterns hung from the trees and in festoons around the bandstands and darted about in the hands of the revellers above great standard electric lamps shed their white glare upon the eddying throng casting a myriad of grotesque shadows shouts and laughter and music filled the air aristide in a hideous red mask and with a bag of confetti under his arm plunged with enthusiasm into the revelry to enjoy yourself you only had to throw your arm round a girl's waist and swing her off wildly to the beat of the music if you wanted to let her go you did so if not you talked in the squeaky voice that is the recognized etiquette of the carnival on the other hand any girl could catch you in her grip and sweep you along with her your mad career generally ended in a crowd and a free fight of confetti there was one fair masker however to whom aristide became peculiarly attracted her movements were free her figure dainty and her repartee below her mask more than usually piquant this hurly-burly said he drawing her into a quiet eddy of the stream is no place for the communion of two twin souls beau masque said she i perceive that you are a man of much sensibility shall we find a spot where we can mingle the overflow of our exquisite natures as you like allons hop cried he and seizing her round the waist danced through the maskers to the very far end of the avenue there is a sequestered spot round here he said they turned the sequestered spot a seat beneath a plane tree with a lonesome arc lamp shining full upon it was occupied it's a pity said the fair unknown but aristide said nothing he stared on the seat reposed an amorous couple the lady wore a white domino and a black mask the cavalier whose arm was around the lady's waist wore a pig's head and a clown or pierrot's dress aristide's eyes fell upon the shoes on one of them the pompon was missing 
the lady's left hand tenderly patted the cardboard snout of her lover the fierce light of the arc lamp caught the hand and revealed on the fourth finger a topaz ring the topaz held in its place by two snake's heads aristide stared for two seconds it seemed to him two centuries then he turned simply caught his partner again and with a allons hope raced back to the middle of the throng there in the crush he unceremoniously lost her and sped like a maniac to the entrance gates his friend the brigadier happened to be on duty he unmasked himself dragged the police agent aside and breathless half hysterical acquainted him with the astounding discovery i was right mon vieux there at the end of the avenue you will find them the pig-headed prowler i saw with my pompon missing from his shoe and his bon ami wearing the stolen ring ah you police people with your tape measures and your jose puegas it is i aristide pujol who have come to papignon to teach you your business what do you want me to do asked the brigadier stolidly do cried aristide do you think i want you to kiss them and cover them with roses what do you generally do with thieves in perpignan arrest them said the brigadier eh bien said aristide then he paused possibly the drama of the situation striking him no wait go and find them don't take your eyes off them i will run and fetch monsieur le maire and he will identify his property et puis nous aurons la scène à faire the stout brigadier grunted an assent and rolled monumentally down the avenue aristide his pulses throbbing his heart exulting ran to the mayor's house he was rather a panting triumph than a man he had beaten the police of perpignan he had discovered the thief he was the hero of the town soon would the wedding bells be playing he envied the marble of the future statue he would like to be on the pedestal himself he dashed past the maidservant who opened the door and burst into the prim salon madame coquereau was alone just preparing to retire for the night mademoiselle stephanie had already gone to bed mon dieu what is this she cried madame shouted he glorious news i found the thief he told his tale where was monsieur le maire he has not yet come back from the cafe i'll go and find him said aristide and waste time bah said the iron-faced old lady catching up a black silk shawl i will come with you and identify the ring of my sainted sister philomene who should know it better than i as you like madame said aristide two minutes found them on their journey madame coquereau in spite of her sixty-five years trudged along with springing step they don't make metal like me nowadays she said scornfully when they arrived at the gate of the avenue the police on guard saluted the mother of monsieur le maire was a power in perpignan monsieur said aristide in lordly fashion to a policeman will you have the goodness to make a passage through the town for madame coquereau and then help the brigadier pessac to arrest the burglar who broke into the house of monsieur le maire the man obeyed went ahead clearing the path with the unceremoniousness of the law and aristide giving his arm to madame coquereau followed gloriously as the impressive progress continued the revellers ceased their revels and followed in the wake of aristide at the end of the avenue brigadier pessac was on guard he approached they are still there he said good said aristide the two police officers aristide and madame coquereau turned the corner at the sight of the police the guilty couple started to their feet madame coquereau pounced like a hawk on the masked lady's hand i identify it she cried brigadier give these people in charge for theft the white masked crowd surged round the group in the midst of which stood aristide transfigured it was his supreme moment he flourished in one hand his red mask and in the other a pompon which he had extracted from his pocket this i found said he beneath the wall of monsieur le maire's garden behold the shoe of the accused the crowd murmured their applause and admiration neither of the prisoners stirred the pig's head grinned at the world with its inane painted leer a rumbling voice beneath it said we will go quietly attention s'il vous plaît said the policeman and each holding a prisoner by the arm they made a way through the crowd madame coquereau and aristide followed close behind 
what did i tell you cried aristide to the brigadier it's puegas all the same said the brigadier over his shoulder i bet you it's not said aristide and striding swiftly to the back of the male prisoner whipped off the pig's head and revealed to the petrified throng the familiar features of the mayor of perpignan aristide regarded him for two or three seconds open-mouthed and then fell back into the arms of the brigadier pesac screaming with convulsive laughter the crowd caught the infection of merriment shrieks filled the air the vast mass of masqueraders held their sides swayed helplessly rolled in heaps men and women tearing each other's garments as they fell aristide deposited on the ground by the brigadier pesac laughed and laughed when he recovered some consciousness of surroundings he found the mayor bending over him and using language that would have made tophet put his fingers in its ears he rose madame coquereau shook her thin fists in his face imbecile triple fool she cried aristide turned tail and fled there was nothing else to do and that was the end of his career at perpignan vanished were the dreams of civic eminence melted into thin air the statue on the quays di carnot faded too the vision of the modest stephanie crowned with orange blossoms gone forever the two hundred and fifty thousand francs never since al nasher kicked over his basket of crockery was there such a hideous welter of shattered hopes if the mayor had been allowed to go disguised to the police station he would have disclosed his identity and that of the lady in private to awe-stricken functionaries he might have forgiven aristide but aristide had exposed him to the derision of the whole of roussillon and the never-ending wrath of madame coquereau ruefully aristide asked himself the question why had the mayor not taken him into the confidence of his masquerading escapade why had he not told him of the pretty widow whom unknown to his mother he was courting why had he permitted her to wear the ring which he had given her so as to spite his sainted aunt philomene and why had he gone on wearing the pig's head after aristide had told him of his suspicions ruefully aristide found no answers save in the general chuckle-headedness of mankind if it hadn't been such a good farce i should have wept like a cow said aristide after relating this story but every time i wanted to cry i laughed nom de dieu you should have seen his face and the face of madame coquereau she opened her mouth wide showing ten yellow teeth and squealed like a rabbit oh it was a good farce he was very cross with me he added after a smiling pause and when i got back to paris i tried to pacify him what did you do i asked i sent him my photograph said aristide End of chapter five